Welcome to The Good Divorce Show, where we can help you learn how to navigate the journey of divorce with less conflict, less debt, and equip you not to just get divorced, but also learn how to be divorced. Your host, certified divorce coach Karen McNenny, shares her wealth of knowledge, gets advice from other relationship experts, and interviews couples who learn how to have a good divorce, so you can too. Now here's your host, Karen. Hello, listeners. Thank you for joining me today. Oh my goodness. We have one of my dream guests. I kind of feel like I have a celebrity guest star on the show today. Joining me on the Good Divorce Show is Christina McGee. Christina is a divorce parent expert who believes divorce doesn't make you a bad parent. It just makes you a parent going through a bad time. And while splitting up is undeniably hard with the right information and support, she believes parents can be a child's absolute best resource when families change. Christina has been doing this work for over 20 years. She is one of the pioneers really out there helping our community of divorced families to do it better and differently. She is passionate about helping parents and professionals keep the focus where it belongs, the children. She is also the author of the highly acclaimed book, Parenting Apart, How Separated and Divorced Parents Can Raise Happy and Secure Kids. And she is the creator and lead trainer for the Co-Parenting Specialist Certification Training Program. She also serves as the education and training director for the Split Outreach Program. And if you don't know about Split, this is a nonprofit that created a documentary, two documentaries, in fact, the first one split the early years, and then revisiting those children in split up the teen years. And both of those films broadcast and uh, review the stories of the children and their parents during that time. If you want to hear more from Christina, join her mailing list, connect with her resources, and trust me, you do. You can learn more um, at divorceandchildren.com. Welcome to the Good Divorce Show, Christina. Oh, gosh, Karen, I am so delighted to be here. I'm looking forward to this conversation. Yes. And our paths first crossed when I went through your co-parenting specialist certification training program. And it has been a wonderful collection of resources that has helped me as I support my clients. And you have just recently launched yet another valuable set of resources through your co-parenting with purpose. We will come back listeners at the end of the podcast and make sure you have all the details. It'll be in the show notes, but I'm going to ask you, Christina, to just give us a highlight of this new set of resources, co-parenting with purpose, so that in case one of our busy parenting listeners can't make it to the end of the podcast, we want to make sure that we give them a little highlight of what they can expect from you and your team. Sure. I'm happy to. And and actually for me, as um, someone who's been in the space for a very long time, one of the things that's always been super important is how can we make information accessible, easy, practical, and mesh with real life? And, and I would add affordable. So you've done a beautiful job of making sure people can get their hands on valuable tools. Well, and that and that's so critical because I can tell you that through my work with separating parents, one of the defining differences is how they start the process has a huge influence on where they end up down the road. And the key components of really getting through this process well often come down to information and support. And so my goal is how can I create resources that are going to meet that need? Because when you're in it, kind of the idea 
finding a professional or finding the right book or finding the right resource can be so hard. And I know as a bonus mom, like when I started looking for resources, a lot of it was very vague. It was very unclear. So I created co-parenting with purpose to address that need. And it's like a series of short step-by-step videos. Like no video is probably more than 10 minutes. So a busy parent on the go, if you can carve out 20 minutes, you can sit and you can watch a video and you can gain some information. And to help with that, I created probably over a hundred pages of handouts, resource guides, cheat sheets, anything that kind of underpins that learning and helps you gain these skills on the go. Um, And then I also crafted bonus which is 52 weeks of insight and inspiration because I know that this is a long haul and I want to buckle up and be right next to you. So every week for 52 weeks, people get an email from me that sometimes it's a tip. Sometimes it might be an inspirational quote, or maybe it's a resource that I really want you to have on your radar, but you've got that ongoing support as you go through this. Oh, and that first year, just every holiday, every anniversary, when we met, when we, it's just a year first, like any grief process, they're going to be extra loaded and having your support and your voice there every week, I know will create a buoyancy for our listeners. So real quick, where can people find that information and dig in a little bit deeper? And then we'll come back and revisit that later. Sure. If you want to know more about it, one of the best ways is just to go to my website, divorceandchildren.com. And in the top navigation bar, it says for parents. And if you click that, you just scroll down, it'll show you co-parenting with purpose. And I have an entire page that outlines everything on there. There's a little simple video clip. If you want to see kind of what it looks like on the inside, um, you can, but it'll tell you everything you want to know and maybe a few things you don't. Wonderful. And it would be helpful to just have a little more context, not only from your professional life, which we've heard you're, again, uh, one of the great pioneers in this space, but your personal life as a child of divorce and a Mm -hmm. bonus mom, just paint us a quick picture so that we know who we're listening to today and how that has informed really your pursuit in supporting people through the divorce process. Yeah. So the topic of divorce is something I definitely have both a personal and a professional connection to. Um, My parents divorced when I was a teenager. And, um, you know, back in the day, there there weren't divorce coaches, there weren't resources. And while they did the best they could, it was certainly not an easy experience. And there were a lot of things that, you know, as a kid looking back, I wish had been done differently. There was a lot of tension and like a lot of kids, you know, I became that classic kid in the middle that was responsible for keeping the peace and negotiating um, and communicating between the households. I have to be very honest though, growing up, I didn't spend a lot of time thinking about really how it had impacted my life until I became a bonus mom. So when I got married, my husband had two very young children. I said, I do. And I did like instant family. And, um, we, there was a lot of tension between the households. Um, unfortunately I kind of dug into how can we do this thing better? Like how I knew I was real clear about what I didn't want to do, but I wasn't so clear about the way forward and what I should be doing um, as a bonus mom. And so I started looking for resources and a lot of what I found was very vague, not very clear. It didn't really mesh with real life. 
Um, and that's where my journey kind of took off. And I ended up um, becoming someone who taught courses for parents in my jurisdiction outside of Houston, Texas. When parents filed for divorce, they had to take a four-hour in-person parenting class. And I became one of the instructors. And that's really where my journey began. And I did that for probably about 12 years. And as I saw needs for resources, I'm also a content creator. So I started putting together resources to really help parents navigate this process and this family change in a different way. So take us back in time, child of divorce, to just a year ago and what Christmas looked like. Here we are approaching the holidays uh, as we record this. And if you're listening at some other time, don't worry, they're going to come around again. And the things that we want to highlight for best practices and and what to be aware of through the holiday is, is really applicable to all the special moments and those occasions when your children are looking to both of their parents to celebrate mm-hmm. them and support them. And you never had Christmas together with your parents. Well, until, um, gosh, I was an adult with grown children of my own. Yeah, my dad lived in another state. And when he came back to Texas, um, I made a decision that I was going to have one holiday event. And I invited everyone to come and left it up to them whether they wanted to be here or not. And lo and behold, everybody showed up. And it was the first time that my kids had had all of their grandparents in one place. I was a little anxious about how it would go, like lots of kids a divorce might be. But it was a it was a great evening. You know, everybody did really well together. There were no crosswords. There was no tension. Um, everybody sat around and you know had polite conversation. We all sat at a table together as one kind of big extended family. Um, and it, and it was great, but I have to tell you that after it was all said and done, the thing that kind of stuck with me was, gosh, why did it take so long? Oh, why isn't did that it have the truth to take so darn long to get there? And I have a lot of compassion for my parents. You know, they, they went through it the best way that they could given mm-hmm. what they had available to them. And I very much believe that the that the vast majority of parents are doing the very best they can in the moment and most want to do better, but we don't know how, we don't know what to do. Like when you decide to get a divorce, nobody knocks on your door and goes, okay, here's your book. This is going to tell you how you're going to get through this and how you're going to keep it about the kids. But we're having to find our way. Yes. And often finding our way starts in the checkout line with some cover on a magazine saying dramatic divorce, lawyering up, destroying each other. It does not have to be that way at all. So let's not wait. Let's not wait decades and decades to get everyone to the table. And we want to share with you a few things to think about as you enter into the holiday season, starting with just this schedule, right? There is this parenting <laughs> plan and everyone knows what their day is or how we're going to divide the day and and the importance of being accommodating and really the cautionary tale when we're not. So what would you say to our listeners as they consider the holiday schedule? Well, first I would say choose flexible over fair because there's a lot of parents that get caught in trying to keep the holidays fair and even and making sure that I get my time and the kids have their time. You know, each parent has their 
their quote unquote time, their fair share. As if there's a stopwatch somewhere, uh, which there's no divorce police going to come around and check your timing log. You get to design your divorce. And that means every single day, including Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, Thanksgiving Day. So as they design that, I love this phrase, being flexible over the fairness. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And the truth is, even if you are a co-parent who has a parenting plan in place and the court said you spend, the kids spend this much time there and this much time there. What most parents don't realize is a divorce decree is an, is an, if all else fails document. And so it says in there and almost all of them, you know, if the two parties fail to come to mutual agreement, then right, this is what you do. But if you and the other parent can make other arrangements you know, you can talk about, ask your kids, like, keep it about the kids. What would feel good for you for the holidays? And mm-hmm. then be flexible with each other. Because really the truth of it is when kids look back over their lifetime and they think about special times that they've had with you, I can guarantee you that your kids are not thinking, well, on December 25th, in 2023 at exactly 609 i remember when we transitioned from mom's house to dad's house and it was that's nope. not what kids are thinking that's not nope. what they remember so don't get caught up on the calendar they're more likely to remember well i was sitting on the couch in my pajamas happily playing with my new toys and then suddenly i had to get <laughs> dressed bundle up my stuff, move on Christmas day to a different house. And PS, my parent didn't let me take my new toys to the other house, right? Like that to me is a cautionary tale of how not to do Christmas. Talk a little bit about these possessions because it does start to happen with presents. um, Mm -hmm. And this idea of keeping the children really at the center of our decision-making and our boundary-making as parents. Well, I would suggest, and I invite parents to give gifts without strings. So Mm -hmm. when you give your child a gift and it is truly a gift, then your child should get some say in what happens with that gift and where it lives. And if they get to take it back and forth, I tell parents, you know, I want you to think about, to give you some perspective, um, a possible experience you might have like, so, okay, let's say, just imagine that you showed up at your parents' house for the holidays. And your parents said, you know what? We've had a great year and we've decided to buy you a new car. There it is parked in the driveway. It's your dream car. It's beautiful. It's fabulous. And then they say to you, you know what? Anytime you come to see us, you can drive it wherever you want. But you know, when you're not here, we're just going to keep it parked in the garage for you. And as soon as you come back, it's all yours. Here's the keys. It wouldn't feel like much of a gift, would it? No, that's a great illustration, right? That is a gift with strings attached. And if you feel strongly about something that, oh, I don't trust this being at their house or that'll get broken or, oh, the other parent, well, then don't buy that gift. If you cannot give freely, don't give. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't buy your kids special things that stay in your home, Mm -hmm. right? Because there's a difference between communicating to a child, I've bought this because I'm providing a home for you and I want you to be able to have things that you enjoy or that help provide for your well-being. That's part of having a home. 
right? And that's perfectly okay. But it is very different message to say, here's your special gift that I picked out for you. And it can only stay here. It can never cross over to mm. the other parent's mm-hmm. house. You know, one really communicates there's like a line in the sand, you know, and our territories and it's not going to cross over. And that's really not the message that we want to communicate to kids. Right. Whether that's birthday or Easter any, or any time where the any gift occasion. giving. Yeah. As we head towards the holidays, I feel my own little inner rabbit get very busy, right? It's a busy time. (laughs) There's lots of activities, things going on. And I was just reflecting as a, as a divorced parent, you know, 50% of my time is, is quiet. And I'm just waiting for the excitement of my kids to show up so we can go ice skating and we're going to go skiing on Saturday. And we're, oh, we've got a, a party to go decorate and, and, oh, we've got to put up the Christmas holiday things. And I think that I sometimes ran my kids over their threshold and right into exhaustion. Is this something that you see as a a pattern? And again, how can we be more thoughtful about the experience of the kids, not just my experience as a single parent? I think it happens all the time and not just with holidays, right? Parents forget that kids are literally transitioning between two different worlds in many Mm, cases, right? They have a home in one place have a home in another place. And they're saying goodbye to one parent and hello to another. And we have no idea what happened before they got to our doorway. Um, and, and, and that time, it, it's understandable. It makes sense. It's become so precious, right? Because we've missed them and we've been away from them. But it's really important for kids to have an opportunity to emotionally shift gears, And the best way to do that, I think, is creating opportunity for transition. Um, And sometimes I suggest to parents to create a transition ritual. And a transition ritual is just a simple activity that fits with your child's personality and their developmental age that you do consistently when they return to you. You might even have one before they leave to spend time with the other parent. Maybe it's sitting down and having a quiet moment and putting a puzzle together. Maybe it's walking the dog or it's playing a game, Um, but giving them something that they can count on and they know, oh, when I get to mom's, we're going to sit down and we're going to color and not hit them with a hundred questions, not Tell them about what you're waiting. You're chomping at the bit and you're waiting to do, but just being in, in the moment with them and following their lead, right? If they want to talk, okay, talk. If they want a moment to be quiet, let them be quiet, but just meet them where they're at and give them that space. And also you can have, think, you know, what kind of, how do you want the tone of your home to be mm, when they say arrive? Say more about that. The tone of the home. Yeah. A a lot of times as parents, you know, when you were talking about why I get so busy and I've been by myself and I'm like all geared up and ready to go, like we move at the speed of light with our kids Mm. versus thinking about like, it's, it's time for the other parent to come pick them up and we're racing around and grabbing backpacks and getting clothes together and stuffing them and getting them to the door. And we have to hurry because yeah, the other parent's going to be here in 10 minutes instead of thinking about, gosh, how can we plan the night before? Let our children know, give them a heads up. Hey, that's going to be here in 30 minutes. Why don't we sit and do something together? You know, just how can we add an element of calmness? Mm. And being intentional about transition 
as not just an event that's happening, but an experience that the children are are really embodying. I was slow to learn this one as a single parent and living in my own bubbled world that just what was happening in my house is the thing that was happening and forgetting the moment right. before and the moment after. So when we come back, and and I'd like to pick this topic up again and talking a little bit more about transitions and ease and how we set up the other parent for success, which is kind of a radical idea, right? They're not the <sighs> enemy. They are your partner. Mm-hmm. Listeners, stay with us today as I talk with Christina McGee, one of the experts in the field of co-parenting with grace and dignity, less drama here on The Good Divorce Show. Stay tuned. A little birdie told me Voice America is on X. Follow us at Voice America TRN. Are you thinking about getting divorced? Before you call a lawyer, call the Good Divorce Coach, Karen McNenny, a certified divorce counselor, co-parenting specialist, and mediator. Karen's signature Good Divorce experience will guide you through your divorce journey from the day you make that difficult decision to the day the decree is signed, all for a predictable fee. The Good Divorce Coach will teach you and your partner how to get divorced and be divorced with less conflict and less debt. Visit thegooddivorcecoach.com to get in touch with Karen. Today, our 40s sit firmly in midlife. We are starting to feel our place and have many productive years ahead. But now is the best time to plan for our future life. Listen for 45 Forward with host Ron Roel. From retirement to health and technology to caring for our parents, no topic is off the table. We don't have a roadmap to our actual future, but we can start to plan more effectively. Tune into 45 Forward, Mondays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to The Good Divorce Show with Karen McNenny. Have a question for Karen or her guests? Join us on the show at 866-472-5788. That's 866-472-5788. Now, back to the show with Karen. Hello, and thank you for staying with me today. I am Karen McNinney, your good divorce coach, and I am chatting with Christina McGee. She is a divorce parenting expert who believes that divorce doesn't make you a bad parent. It just makes you a parent going through a bad time. Her website, divorceandchildren.com, is filled with really useful tangible tools. I encourage you to spend some time connecting with Christina online, but we've got the real deal with us here today. And we are spending a little time talking about the holiday season because we are recording this in November and it is top of mind. And, you know, the holidays are loaded already for many of us. And I remember probably first Christmas decorating the tree. And at one point, my daughter just sort of sat down on the couch and said, it just doesn't even feel like Christmas without dad here. And my heart just hurt so much. And I would like to say, you know, it got remarkably better after the first year, but they're always a little bit loaded. Mm -hmm. How can we better prepare not only our children, as we just talked about in the first segment, but ourselves to navigate the holiday season as a newly re-singled individual who's in a 
whole new story. Well, I would really recommend don't fly by the seat of your pants for the holidays. Like if you know when you're not going to be with your kids, start thinking about how you want to use that time. How can you get intentional with your time alone? What could you do? Where do you want to be? What would feel most comfortable for you? Um, And not to put a a lot of pressure on yourself. I think one of the, the pitfalls that we get caught up in is not allowing ourselves to be sad. Like we're just trying to keep away from it. When, you know, I'm not going to have my kids. It's really going to suck, but I'm going to power through. And I think it's really important for parents to be gracious with themselves and know that it makes sense that you would be sad. It's okay to be sad. While it's good to sit with those feelings, it's important that you find a way to honor them and not wallow in them. Oh, that's so good. Again, honoring the feelings, but not wallowing in them, having an anticipation that there will be hard moments and that might take you by surprise Yeah, and having a short list of who you might reach out to, who else is having a gathering. I adopted a lot of single friends. I started hanging out with a lot of single friends early in my divorce because they didn't have kids. I felt like if I were hanging out with my friends that had children and I was there without my children, there was kind of a phantom pain. So thank Mm. goodness I had another circle of friends who were not parents and I could go be my single self. And that was what was normalized there and made for a really happy distraction. And sometimes Mm -hmm. we need the happy distraction, but not at the expense of feeling the feels. And you've used this word, you know, grief. And I think we underestimate that divorce is is really a a death experience, a death of Mm. the family as we knew it. And of the story that we thought we would have. You know, I think it's worth noting that when you look at the amount of stress that is generated in a person's life, divorce rate second only to death. Right. Right. And I know. (laughs) I don't think a lot of people know that, recognize it uh, or or realize it. but, But this is what the research shows us. Second to death. It is a big deal. And our culture often, right? The stigmas around it, color it in shame. You've done this. You have to suffer alone. Put it in the closet. Don't talk about identify. Like it does not serve our families and therefore does not serve our society. Right, right. You know, so how we how we surround people with support when someone dies is very different than how we engage with people when they go through a divorce, like nobody's showing up with a casserole. Isn't that the truth? (laughs) You know, I know you're really going through a tough time and I wanted to make you dinner and hoping this will help out. And, and, and it's very interesting. It's very interesting to me. And it is one of the reasons I feel very committed to doing the work that I do in a number of different ways is how can we change the conversation? And when I share that statistic about divorce being second only to death in terms of the amount of stress. It's not to scare people or to freak them out. It's just to emphasize and underscore the enormity of this change in a family. And divorce is not the end of a family. It's a change in a family. The marriage ends, but the family needs to continue. And how we continue. It's so important. It's so important, but a lot of us aren't thinking about it in that way. And so part of the change, part of this change that we're going through does kick off a lot of grief, a lot of feelings of loss, and it's not a linear process and it's not a 
a time, you can't put on a time frame, right? Everybody's going to grieve in their own way. And the complicated thing about divorce is that while you're going through it as a family, all at the same time, everybody's going through it a different way and maybe Mm. at different stages. And so it's really important as you're going through it, not just during the holidays, but in general, to kind of take stock of where are you in the process of grieving? How are you emotionally supporting yourself? And where might your co-parent be in this stage? Because chances are you're probably not experiencing it in the same way. What about your kids? You know, different kids in the family may experience it in very different ways. You may have one kid that's really stuck in denial and another that's really stuck in bargaining, trying to figure out how they can save the family and fix it and bring everybody back together. And so by elevating your own emotional awareness, it makes you more present to take stock of where everybody else is at. And that, you know, that support piece, getting information and support helps you make better choices, helps you raise your awareness moving forward. And I think that any of these sort of anniversary or markers that come through this idea of think about the other parent, like you are still in a partnership. You know, we say the marriage has ended, but your relationship has not. If you share children, that is the forever relationship. And so being thoughtful about you know, what moment are they missing? How can I share that? What what anniversary in their own life might be creating um, a challenge for them right now? Or um, it is my year to have a long holiday break with them. And how might that be impacting my other parent? I just think that's such a compassionate, wise reminder that we would have living in our heart if we were still married, but we can take that into the divorce, even in the simple way of sharing those special moments. And you have a a filter of, you know, it might be photographs or artwork or phone calls about how we still engage the parent that isn't present. So a lot of parents will say, well, Christina, like, should I, should I share this with my co-parent? Should I send them this picture? I mean, they don't do that for me, right? Um, so why should I, um, and my question always is, so if you were, let's say you went on a ski trip, right. And your, your child is headed down the slopes for the very first time. If you were still together with the other parent, what would you do? Would you send a picture? My guess is that you would. And so there's your answer right there. And the marriage has ended, but your children's needs continue to have both of their parents as an active and engaged role in their lives. I encourage parents to use that as their marker. If we were still in a relationship, how would I handle the situation? What kind of information would I share? What would I do? Because being a parent, it's a lifetime gig that doesn't stop. And so what you're doing is you're redefining that relationship, that connection. I mean, you're always parents, no longer partners. Right. Always parents, no longer partners. And again, it isn't like you were saying, well, they don't do that for me. Well, you're not doing it for them, them. (laughs) doing it for the kids and thinking about those transition moments, like the skiing example, my co-parent and I, we've always sent photos and special moments and whether it was because we can't be there and share that special moment just logistically, or it's just not appropriate within our parenting plan and something separate Mm -hmm. is happening, but it's special to the kids. 
which means that when I get pictures of that ski trip and the kids land in my home, I get to say, oh my gosh, your dad sent this photo of you too. And it is just beautiful. And I saw your big jump. Like I get to share in those parts of their life and celebrate them. And I also have a context of what they have just come from. And they mm-hmm. know that mom and dad or mom and mom, dad and dad, that they're co-parents right. are absolutely communicating and celebrating the children. And that is the thing that you do so beautifully, Christina, is always bringing us back. What question are we answering and who's at the center of that question? Your mm-hmm. kids. Yeah, absolutely. And what we're doing is we're also removing a lot of unnecessary stressors for our kids because when we're not communicating, when we're not sharing those photos, what kind of message are we sending to our children? So what happens is kids quickly pick up on all the things that aren't being said as much as the things that are being said, and they start filtering. They start filtering what they say in each home. And once kids start filtering one thing, you can believe they'll probably start filtering lots of things. And so if they're struggling with something, how comfortable are they going to feel coming to you about it? Mm-hmm. You know, And if they can't share the exciting moments in their life with you, what is, what is that communicating to them? Right. So a lot of times kids are constantly living within this tension where they're walking on eggshells. Think about how you would function as a person if you could only talk about half your life. Oh, right. Or the other parent, worst case scenario is like, don't mention this to your mom or don't tell your dad that, yeah. right? That they be not only do they become the, the middleman of messaging, maybe even more damaging is they become the holder of secrets. Yeah. Yeah. That should never be the role of your children. So when we're transparent with each other as co-parents, then that puts them at ease and like, oh, my parents, they talk about us all the time and they know all the things and they get the pictures and the celebrations and the photos. And I also don't have to be the reporter of my life for the five or seven days that I was gone because the parents have done the job to keep each other informed. And I don't have to be the reporter or how much our kids love being, you know, now there's a book report. I got to download the whole last week and catch my other parent up on everything that just happened. And they're going to have the 5,000 questions. And as those young kids become teenagers, that becomes less and less popular. (laughs) For For sure. sure. The other thing I want to add to that just real quickly is that I do realize that not everybody has a situation where they may have a cooperative co-parent, even though you may put your very best foot forward you know, you still may not get that kind of thoughtfulness or consideration reciprocated. And what I will tell those parents in those situations is that I very much believe in the power of one. And what children really need is one parent, right? Who will stand in that space for them, who will be consistent, nurturing, loving, shield them from the conflict, give them a safe space to talk and your kids can still thrive. Kids are going to fare far better if one parent gets it together than if nobody gets it together. And so I really want parents to keep that in mind, even in these very difficult, super stressful, high conflict situations You can't control what the other parent does, but you absolutely can control how you respond 
what you say to your kids, the context you give them for making sense of their experience, validating them. Those are all things you can do. And those things make a huge difference. Well, listeners, with me today is Christina McGee, a well of wisdom. And we are going to come back and talk about some best practices, how to avoid some co-parenting blind spots. Please stay with us. We'll be right back with Christina McGee, divorce and parent expert. Want to see what Voice America is up to behind the scenes? Follow us on TikTok at Voice America Talk Radio. Are you thinking about getting divorced? Before you call a lawyer, call the good divorce coach, Karen McNenny, a certified divorce counselor, co-parenting specialist, and mediator. Karen's signature good divorce experience will guide you through your divorce journey from the day you make that difficult decision to the day the decree is signed, all for a predictable fee. The Good Divorce Coach will teach you and your partner how to get divorced and be divorced with less conflict and less debt. Visit thegooddivorcecoach.com to get in touch with Karen. Tune in to The Patricia Raskin Show on voiceamerica.com every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. This is the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions with the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio, Patricia Raskin. So tune in and call in to The Patricia Raskin Show, Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Welcome back to The Good Divorce Show with Karen McNenny. Have a question for Karen or her guests? Join us on the show at 866-472-5788. That's 866-472-5788. Now, back to the show with Karen. Hello, listeners. Thanks for staying with me today as I talk with Christina McGee, divorce and parenting expert. She has also been very involved in a co-creator of the documentary film series, Split. And there were two documentaries. And I would just want to invite you, Christina, to give us a little overview of the project itself and how these two documentaries interface with each other side by side, because I think it's a fascinating and worthwhile project. Sure, I'd be happy to. So the Split Outreach Project is the nonprofit organization which is responsible for the creation of two very special documentaries for kids about divorce and their parents. Um, The first one is Split Up the Early Years, And the documentary um, shares the stories of 12 children between the ages of 6 and 12 who've had parents that split up. Uh, It's about 30 minutes long, and it's just kids on camera. No experts, no adults, just kids having an opportunity to share their truth in a very unfiltered way. And the film is absolutely beautiful. There's a couple different benefits. It was originally created by my colleague, Ellen Bruno, who is the filmmaker responsible for these two films. Ellen decided children gain more from listening to other kids. Kids listen to other kids. That's just the bottom line, often more than they do to us as adults. And she felt like there needed to be a resource that really highlighted the voice of children to let kids know they're not alone and to empower children to feel comfortable talking about how this felt for them. 
that their voices didn't have to be in the shadows. Uh, and so that's exactly what she did. The interesting part is that not only did it empower children, but it also gives parents an opportunity to gain a behind the scenes look from kids that are like their own, but not their own, and really right. hear what kids are thinking and feeling about divorce. Because more often than not, we don't really know the depths to which kids are really struggling and navigating a lot of stressful and really challenging times. This film highlights that, but I think it also leaves room for lots of hope. I think what these kids have to say, it gives a very hopeful message. There's some laugh out loud moments and there's some moments that are you know, hard to hear, but I encourage parents to take a look at it and gain that perspective. I mean, it's also really beneficial to professionals. I show it in my trainings. Professionals get an, you know, a front row seat to really hearing what kids have to say about this experience. The really amazing thing is that Ellen wondered if there was still more that these kids had to share. And so 10 years later, she went back and interviewed 11 of the original 12 and created a second documentary called Split Up the Teen Years. It follows, it gives these 11 kids an opportunity to really share how divorce has unfolded and the role it's played in their lives. And I'm just going to give you a little spoiler alert. It's fascinating. It is mm. a fascinating film. It's about 50 minutes. If parents are interested in watching these films, they can go to splitfilm.org, um, find out all kinds of information, stream them online. Um, so we do provide the ability for parents to watch them. One of the things I will say is that if you're interested in watching them, make sure that you do it on your own first before you watch it with your kids. Because Good I think idea. it's a really important for parents to have the space, to have their own experience, and to really have an opportunity to think about, is this something that would be beneficial to my kids, right? And what parts might my kids connect with? How can I set up the best viewing experience? Don't try to wing that. Go ahead and watch it first. Think about it and then make a decision. Because just because it's a fabulous documentary, not every resource is a fit for every family. You want to make sure this would be a good fit for your kids. Great advice. And I think as divorced parents, sometimes we tell ourselves stories to make us feel better about the situation. And one of those <laughs> stories is kids are resilient. It doesn't really matter. They're going to be fine. And so this is an opportunity to really hear the children's experience and, and again, it may not be identical to your own children, but it is a glimmer in because I think the other thing that often happens is kids protect their parents mm. from what is happening from them. And they soften oh, the edges a little bit and start to become you know, responsible in ways that they don't need to be and that they shouldn't be in those young ages. They're still the kid. And our job as the parent is to continue to be the parent and not turn our kids into our caregivers, our partners, our listening partners, our boyfriends, our girlfriends, <laughs> our playmates, right? Right. Well, I'll say that's really evident in the film that kids fall into quite naturally that role of wanting to caretake their parents and worrying more about how their parents are feeling, mm. what their parents want and need than what yeah. they themselves need. And that that doesn't go away. And I think it's important, and this is one of the mistakes I think parents make to tag on to what you said about, you know, this is, kids are resilient. They're just going to get through this. We're going to put it in the rear view mirror. You know, a divorce 
is not an experience that happens in children's lives. It's an experience that becomes a part of their lives for the rest of their lives. Say that again. I actually just want (laughs) you to repeat that because this is an oversight for many of us. Yeah. So divorce is not an experience that happens in children's lives. It's an experience that becomes a part of children's lives for the rest of their lives. And I say that um, because it's important for us as parents to think about how big of a part do we want it to be, right? This is going to get woven into the fabric of your children's lives. It doesn't go away, but how it ebbs and flows, how big of a part, what kind of impact it makes on how they view themselves, how they view their family, how they engage in relationships has to do with the choices that parents are making right now in this moment. Those choices are not just for the immediate moment, but for the rest of your children's lives. Well, yeah, but as soon as they turn 18, we're done. I just have to get them graduated and out of the parenting plan. And then we're all lickety split on our way, wrap it in a bow, move on. Yeah. Well, that's not the first time I've heard that. (laughs) I've had a lot of parents that have said to me, oh, come on, Christina, look, I'm just going to hang in there for six more years. I've just got 10 more years, Christina, and then I'm done. And, you know, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but the truth is when you share parenting responsibilities with someone, it really is till death do you part. It really is. And your kids are, are, that's their expectation. And we hope that you'll go forth with, you know, the help of people like Christina McGee and those resources and finding a divorce coach and collaborative lawyers and people who will help you to set the course so that you can enjoy the grandbabies and the graduations and the weddings and your poor children don't have to think about how far apart they have to keep their parents at the wedding and that you don't have to wait until you're an adult to bring them to Christmas dinner together. (laughs) Right. Let's not Mm -hmm. wait. And to that end, as parents are moving into that young adult period. And I see this a lot, parents who are coming to me and they're divorcing, like, well, our kids are graduating from high school or they're in college now. So we don't, we don't have to really talk about any of the parenting things. They're (laughs) a boomerang ring child, probably until age of 25. They're not off your payroll and independent, nor are their frontal lobes fully formed and into their own adulthood until their mid twenties. And we still need to parent for life. Can you talk a little bit more about that young adult period and how precious that is and how we underestimate that we still need a parenting plan light, even if it's not a formal legal parenting plan, we're still navigating holidays, summer vacations, coming and going from the dorm, new jobs with our young adult children. Well, I would say it's not just for young adult children. I don't care if your kids are in their (laughs) thirties, right? You still need to have a conversation about how we as parents are going to move forward. Because when I said it affects the rest of your children's lives, I wasn't kidding about that, you know? Um, And you spoke to that at the beginning of the show as a child of divorce, your entire life and into your adult and your own children being able to have access to all their grandparents at one time in a celebration, it casts a long shadow. 
Yes, it does. And so how are you going as parents, how are you going to show up in those moments? And the one thing that I see consistently that adult children of divorce struggle with, whether they're 22 or 42, is that they often get put in the driver's seat to navigate all of that because there's no court order. There's no parenting plan in place that tells them how they're going to manage Christmas And they have, you know, an assortment of parents who are expecting them to show up and spend two hours with the grandchildren at their dinner table on this day at this time and no conversations going on between parents at all. Like kids and and I've had adult children contact me and say, I I hate the holidays. I hate the Mm -hmm. holidays because this is this is what I have to live through. And it's making me crazy. And I'm an adult with children and I'm still navigating my parents' divorce because they can't get it together to communicate and make it easier on their children. Right. So I would encourage parents to find someone. If you can't have that conversation together, you've got adult children, go find a third person, go find a mediator, go find a co-parenting coach, have the conversation, develop an agreement, a code of conduct between the two of you about how you're going to behave when you show up for events together or how you're going to be flexible around the holidays, what you're going to communicate so that your kids are not having to navigate that on their own. Yes. There's one more sort of morsel that I I think is swimming around in this story. And as you talk about the importance of parenting is this ongoing whether it's respect or compassion or grace and helping the other parents succeed. You know, we always say, don't say bad things about your other parent. Well, honestly, there are some people like, I don't have anything nice to say about my co-parent. They were terrible to me and they're still a terrible person and I cannot muster it. So (laughs) then what? Well, I have had that conversation many times with co-parents because I, I try to remind parents how important it is to honor the good. When we're going through the process of uncoupling, we tend to really hone in on all the things that didn't work, right? And our precious children, their life story did not start with your divorce. So how can you share with them moments that were good? Like, do you have stories for them? Can Do you have pictures, right? How did you pick the name that you had? And even if you are in a horrible, contentious situation, right? And you have absolutely nothing good to say about that other parent. Well, then you can just reinforce your child's positive perspective. Well, when Brittany comes home and she says, oh man, I went camping with dad and we caught this big fish and it was so much fun. He was telling jokes and everybody was laughing at his jokes. Dad's so funny. Okay. Keep the eye roll under wraps, right? <laughs> right. Cause it's in there. And then do your best, you know, to say to Brittany, wow, it sounds like you had a great time with dad. You really like his jokes. Mm-hmm. Sounds like everybody really enjoyed having dad there. Well, I'm so glad you got to spend that time with him. Now, note, I didn't have to share anything about dad that I personally felt. I didn't have to make anything up. I was totally authentic because I'm reinforcing Brittany's perception of dad. And that's all you need to do. So good. And it is so easy to fall into the, (laughs) oh, I hated those camping trips with your father. And if I have to hear one more dumb dad joke and he sent you home, everything smells like fish. He didn't wash anything. 
Like it's really easy to go down that way because you're irritated with your co-parent. Mm-hmm. And again, who suffers in that moment? The children. Well, there's the flip side of that too. Okay. Let's say I just bite my tongue and I don't say anything. Brittany goes on and on and on about this great camping trip. And I just act like she never said a thing. Hmm. Mm. Okay. Interesting. What am I communicating to my child? Even when we're not speaking, we're still communicating to our kids. It's important to keep your body language in check, the tone of your voice, how you refer to the other parent. You know, when is your father getting here? It's a subtle shift, but it is so important in the language and the words that we use, right? So when we're talking about the other parent and we are around other people, are we talking about our ex? Are we talking about our Mm co-parent? I encourage parents to make the switch. Talk about your co-parent because that really, that better describes your ongoing relationship moving forward. They are your co-parent. I think even the language around your dad, your mother. Again, if we were still together, how would we speak about that person? Right. Mom exactly. and dad, mm-hmm. right? And not this detachment, really trying not to use X. It, it It is in the vernacular, it's negative, and we are not Xing them out of our life. That actually is not one of the options for, right. for most of us. And again, I always want to to remind all of our listeners, we have a sensitivity. We know that there are stories that are abusive. There are stories that have very dark endings. Our heart goes out to anybody who's having to navigate those high conflict, challenging separations. We hope again, as Christina was saying, that if the power of one can show up, and if you're the one listening today, know that you can lead from where you stand even in the face of a difficult partner and make it different for your kids. Our children come from love. Remind them of that. And maybe you need to remind yourself of that as well. Christina, remind us where we can find you, the resources, the films, your new program, Co-Parenting with Purpose. I really want the listeners of The Good Divorce Show to have access to all of the resources and content that you have created over the years. Well, so a very easy way to find me is just go to divorceandchildren.com. That's divorceandchildren.com. And on there, I have a tab at the top of the navigation that says for parents. Click that tab. And I've got a whole page that just outlines offerings that you can immediately take advantage of. I have a free resource guide for parents. Um, It's like 26 pages of resources. You're looking for books for your kids. I've got some listed. You're looking for books for yourself. There's some listed podcast, dealing with a difficult divorce. I've got resources. So if you don't know where to begin, that's a great place to start. You can also find co-parenting with purpose there. Again, in the dropdown, it's listed, click on it. It'll give you all the information. And I will also say to anybody before November 10th, before November 10th of 2023, Right now I'm running a special on co-parenting with purpose and it is at the special, my special offer is it's normally $397 until November 10th, I guess let's say it's $197. So if you want to take advantage of that, there is never, ever going to be a lower price, a better price for you to get in. And so if you're somebody who's looking for a resource, that could be a therapy session. That could be, you know, half an hour with your attorney. (laughs) Great resource. 
and a way to create your own classroom. And we're encouraging you parents to be a student of your divorce journey and know that it's going to change as your children change in age, as their needs change. It is not a one and done day when you walk out of the courthouse and it's not done at 18. And evidently it's not done at 32 either. So (laughs) stay engaged, keep your children at the center. So grateful to Christina McGee, parent and divorce expert joining us here on the Good Divorce Show today. And remember listeners, everything will be okay in the end. And if it's not okay, it's not the end. Thanks for listening. Do you have questions or thoughts about this week's episode? Let us know by following The Good Divorce Coach on Facebook and Instagram at Good Divorce Coach and leave a comment. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific or listen anytime wherever you get your podcasts. 